William, here we are, um, our first Friday night fight back. And uh, look, what I thought it would be good to talk about, I mean, I think that plenty of people have got a yearning for a freer and a happier society. And when I think about that, when I look at it, I think people have this memory of a higher trust society. And it's that sort of memory resurfacing at a time where we're suffering the miseries and privations of what's essentially become a low trust society, a society mm. stripped of much of its trust and instead with loads of responsibilities to devolve to a state that does it very badly. Mm. So I think we need to work out as a party and as a country how we get to rebuild a high trust society. Any ideas? There's lots of there's lots of ideas. There's lots of things you could do, but I totally agree with you. I think people, uh, everyone wants to live in a high trust society. Everyone wants to live in a stable community, and there is this sense that we've lost something. Um, and you only you'd only have to speak to your parents or your grandparents um, to to see that. Uh, a lot of well, writers talk about things like the loss of the common life, don't they? Um, and, and, and we all feel it in a sense, and we ought to, the, the problem I have is that sometimes it's easier to, um, to want something to be than to be able to sort of create the conditions for it reappearing, isn't it? Oh, I think that's totally right. But I mean, I think the first thing to, or one of the things that might be useful is just to remind ourselves how far down this road of low trust society we've gone and the authoritarianism which has kind of come in its wake. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of, you don't have to listen to your grandparents to think about a time where if someone was going to open your letters, you feel that was crackpot crazy. But now, of course, mm. all your emails are being scanned, all your messages are being scanned. Um, yeah. You know, um, I mean, you wouldn't have expected even 10 years ago for the government to routinely spy on you know, where you go in your car, and now they plan to use it to fine you for going where you shouldn't go. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary stuff. Yeah, some of that's um, led by the technology enabling it, isn't it? I mean, uh, there's a great quote, an A.J.B. Taylor quote, I think, which is that uh, <clears throat> a man could be uh, born, a person could be born, live and die, uh, and scarcely come into contact with the state. And that was oh. pre wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be lovely yeah. wouldn't it be lovely <laughs> yeah and it's and, and you can't i mean you can't undo the technology you can't you can't uninvent things but what you can do is is try and create uh, a slightly more stable situation possibly by slowing some of the things down that have created massive change because i think change michael is one of the things that's really caused this um disorientation people have had to deal with massive uh, economic change, social change, demographic change, all at the same time. Yeah. And, you know, in a lot of communities, particularly in cities, there's just a lot of churn. You know, well, you've got to say, I mean, you've also got to say, and you know, no one likes to mention it, but if you have really mass immigration as well, it's absolutely mm. inevitable that's going to lower trust. I mean, these are people you don't know. They have different habits, different ways of mm. dress, maybe even don't even speak the same language. I mean, mm. you know, Clearly, with the best will in the world, mm. you know, if you have mass immigration, you've got to start working at nation building and nation rebuilding and making sure your society becomes more cohesive, not less. Yes, that's it is. It's quite a controversial subject. Funnily enough, I've just I done a, an interview, an interview with Ed West. And, and the problem with it is that a lot of the social science 
uh, data does say that you know the more diverse societies, the more challenging it is on that. In, the, in those respects, it is you know Putnam who wrote the original book um, charted this, and it's it's generally true. Having said that, um, there is a a startling example of Singapore, which is quite uh, diverse culturally. Ah. And they have very high trust in that you don't, there isn't any crime. I mean, pretty much. Ah, but do you know, do you know, William, how they got that? I mean, this is, me. the, this is the bit that everyone wants to forget, but uh, my great hero, Go Keng Sui, actually did it. Um, at the time of the Malay emergency, there was obviously, in, you know, there's a real problem about communist insurgency. There was a real worry that the nation might not survive. What he did mm. was he embraced the idea of vigilantism. Hmm. And he actually enrolled, I think it was about 14,000 people, into mm. basically public vigilantes in order to patrol mm. for a while social, uh, you know, w w what was happening on the streets. Now, we are absolutely, I mean, you know, you, you, you tell any BBC reporter that you're, <laughs> that you're an imagine there might be something good about having vigilantism, and they will flee to the hills. But maybe there is, you know, give, giving people a stake in their community to, okay, yeah, we're going to enforce various rules. I yes, mean, in the, does this make me a Nazi? Well, in the, well, oh, it you, might. You'd, have it might. Do, you'd have to do it on a sort of commune basis, wouldn't you? It's like the you know the in, inside the commune, you'd have certain elders that would. I certain that as a description that certainly maps onto what uh, family members. I, you know, my eldest son lives in Singapore, and certainly there isn't any crime. If any crime occurs, the whole society knows about it, and it's right round. In fact, in fact, the police are very effective, but the p real police is the community itself. Yeah, well, as uh, I say, they started that through, you know, these vigilante groups being instructed by the police, led mm. by the police, but basically, mm. yeah, okay, it's your streets, you know, let's make mm. sure they're clean and, and safe. They also have, the Singaporeans also have a, a strong uh, integration, non-ghettoization policy, which again, I mean, I sometimes tease uh, uh, politicians in this country and quiz them on Britain's uh, policy for integration. Well, it doesn't have one. <laughs> it, never, it never had. It was completely absent. So one thing that you mention in your piece um, attached to this is is just care of public realm. And it's something I feel very strongly oh, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And certainly as practiced by people like Councillor Wayne Dixon, um, this is, I mean, you, you can't always solve, you know, uh, social problems overnight you can't it's much more difficult to solve people's personal problems but public policy can get public realm right if it wants to you can make sure the place is looked after and kept well and almost it's almost noticing it subliminally if you walk into a, a new town or village and it is kept well you know don't you oh totally yes yes mm. and, that, and that spreads out which is why i think you know i look at um wayne's twitter uh, account and it's just full of kind of look there's you know there's rubbish here there's graffiti there get it cleaned up get it cleaned up and that must it must you know i imagine that people will think okay someone actually really cares about this community and look the community is not as bad as it used to be and mm. maybe that begins to build pride and, and therefore you you might if you're lucky get a self-reinforcing improvement i think so and the other thing that's vital is that an, if people lose faith or trust in a community literally then uh investment i mean i'm not talking in a technical sense but i'm talking about investment at the level of planting trees and oh, believing yeah. there is a future that just collapses 
But the converse, if things are perceived to get better and we know that neighbourhoods can improve if you roll your sleeves up and work at it, then the opposite happens and people think, actually, you know, it's getting better. I'm going to put my shoulder behind this. The funny thing in the pandemic, uh, Michael, was that when the pandemic happened as the, as the you know, small, minor civic leader here of, of my commune of 4,000 people, um, I put together a, a, a village um, uh, volunteer scheme to run, to run errands, to help people during lockdowns, to get prescriptions, to do shopping and things. And I was inundated. The, the, yeah. oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. Honestly, Michael, the, the, um, the appetite to roll up your sleeves and help was there. It just needed mobilizing. And the, the pandemic was the thing. Actually, in the end, we had far too many. Proves a point, though. Proves a totally. point. Totally. There is an appetite there for rebuilding, or for community, actually. And many times, you know, but I guess the guys who need it most are the ones who've had it least, actually. So, I mean, you know, uh, similarly in North Yorkshire, I mean, yeah, there's plenty of community still there. It, it's very obvious. But I think, mm. you know, slightly rougher places, it gets more challenging, which is where I think, you know, the, the party, actually, mm. as you know, with yourself and also, you know, showing with what Wayne is doing, um, we, we can actually make a help. We can actually help even before the inevitable assumption of power that, uh, that is coming our way. Well, you can do it. You, I think you can do it anywhere, Michael. I think you can, any, any situation, doesn't matter whether it's the toughest neighbourhood or the easiest, you can do it. You can always make an improvement. And I think in the, in the long run, what we want is the sort of society, actually, that Lee Kuan Yew described in the famous account of when he gets out of, I think it was the late 40s, wasn't he? he got, gets out of Piccadilly uh, Tube Station and the uh, paper seller um, selling the Evening Standard or whatever is, is gone for a few minutes and he's got a, tr a little tin there and it says, please leave your change. And Lee Kuan Yew observed these Londoners putting their pounds in and taking their change and everything was functioning fine and it was all on trust. And he was very, he said, that's the sort of community society that you need. And that wasn't available in Singapore then. It is now. It was available in the UK now. I don't think it's there at the moment. Mm. Uh, so well, we'll build it. Work to be done. Mm.